Evans and my name is Warren Evans. Um, I am privileged to work with leaders up and down our nation and, and I guess we all have stories to tell, highs and lows. I'm privileged as I've already shared. I am Chief Executive Sports Chaplains UK and engaged on a global level but also trustee of a number of other charities and other mission organisations that I love to inspire and I've known Nathan and the We of the Family for a number of years and they've been a great encouragement and blessing to me and I, I thank you for them and you are blessed to have them as your leaders uh, leading you through this challenging situation but also just generally Nathan and Jenny are awesome and their boys are awesome so know that you're blessed with them leading you. So I just want to tell you quickly a little bit about who I am and what I do but also a little bit about the organisation I'm involved with but it's not just what you say, it's not how you say it, but it's also what you carry. And I'm blessed to be one of four brothers. My father's a pastor. You'll hopefully see some images of my mum and dad. They are mighty men and women of God. Uh, two of my brothers are pastors and one's a professional musician. And then hopefully you'll see a picture of my wife and my three boys. Alex, who's six, Nathan, who is 18, and Jacob, who's 19. And then you'll see a beautiful picture of my wife and you think, well, he can't be all that bad if he's married a stunner like that and uh, there's hopefully a little bit of truth in all that. But I also want to share a little bit about sports chaplaincy. Sports chaplain, you'll think, what is a sports chaplain? We all have preconceived ideas and, and certainly when you get to Sports Chaplains UK, you think, man, sport and chaplain, I've got loads of preconceived ideas of sport. I love it, I hate it, I loathe it, I, I enjoy it. Or chaplain, an old man in a grey suit and a dog culling, you think, wow, what's all that got to do? But sport is simply, or sports chaplain is simply this, it's someone who's there to be an expression of God's love and compassion to the community of sport. And we have a dream at Sports Chaplaincy to see an expression of his love and compassion to every community called sport. And that community is over 25 to 30 million people. The largest untapped mission field in the UK and probably the most decimated community at this moment in time. So I'd encourage you to pray for them as we... Uh, continue through these challenging seasons but as Christians what we do have we have hope and we can pray for people. As an organisation we, uh, we've trained hundreds and hundreds of people and we engage with national governing bodies and sports communities and we work with the local church and the national church and we're significantly blessed with some wonderful relationships. Uh, I just want to say one thing why we see what we see you know when we look at sport we we sponsor some compassion kids because my oldest son you see those things on tv was a child and starving and he was he saw a picture of a child that he and, and ethically morally spiritually it's right but he was moved by what he saw he was moved with compassion you know what it says in scripture is jesus saw the crowd and he was moved with compassion and I don't know what you see when you see the community of sport, but I want to say this. If the church and if we respond no different to anyone else, we may respond out of passion to sport, but we just have our favourite team. But if we respond no different to anyone else, are we really any different? For us, I believe as a church and Christians, we're called to be different. We're called to be his hands and feet. We're called to look through his eyes, God's eyes, eyes of compassion. When we see what God sees, it moves us, it compels us to respond differently. And so when I look at that community, I don't see just elite athletes or my favourite football team. I see people who are hurting, are in need, and they need Jesus ultimately. And they certainly need an ex to see and experience an expression of love and compassion. So I just that gives you a little bit of an over 
view of who and what I do. But you know, that community is huge. It is 25 to 30 million people. So please pray for that community. Please pray for us and the chaplains up and down our nation serving in this challenging time, how they can be present without actually out being present. Uh, so uh, we do have five values, presence, excellence, relationship, confidentiality and humility. And the key things about being present and being, building relationships, obviously, but that can't be done when you're not with someone. But so using technology is awesome, look like this. Uh, and, and so pray for people, pray for that community. Ask God to touch them and bless them. Uh, are you expecting today? Are you, are, you, are you ready to receive? Are you receptive? Are you sat in your PJs having a bacon butter? Are you, are you leaning in? Uh, I hope you're going to lean in today. I've got a question I want to start off. I've got a coin in my hand. It's a, the question is heads or tails? Heads or tails? Which side of the coin will you choose? What do you see? What do you choose to see and why? But most importantly, which lenses do you choose to look at life through? Hey, before we start this journey together, let us pray. Let us bow our heads. You know, prayer is, it, it sounds great and it, it's nothing about big fancy words. It's simply picking up the phone to God. And prophetically speaking, is, is, it's a key to unlock the door. So, hey, I don't know what you're going through right now, but let's just pray and then we'll see where we go. Hey, Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you are a good, good God. And I pray that our hearts and minds are receptive to receive afresh from you, that you will speak through your word into our very being, empowering, empowering us and equipping us in your precious and wonderful namesake. Amen. I'm going to make no assumptions today that uh, the truth is I'm going to share some truths from God's word, the Bible. You see, we can either believe God's word or we can believe more in our circumstances. And that would be really easy to do uh, during this pandemic. You know, but what are circumstances? It's the circle that we stand in, the things that are happening around us and that can impact us. But, you know, as church, that can change so quickly. And as church... We're supposed to be, our circum is supposed to be so much more steady. You see, if we allow circumstances to dictate our lives, it'll impact how we choose and we react, how we respond to situations. You see, but I want to challenge you to step out of that circle that we stand in and choose to step out onto God's word. God's word, the same yesterday, today and forever. We receive all the yeses and amens, we receive all that inheritance that the Bible talks about in Corinthians. Hey, guys, can we step out of our circumstances and step onto God's word? You see, this will change, but God's word is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I do believe in God's word. And 2 Timothy 3 talks about that God's word is breathed. God breathed. It's incorruptible, indestructible, infallible. So when we pick up God's word, it's powerful, man. Don't take it like a, a Milton Boone's book or, or newspaper. This is living and active. And when we take it into ourselves, it can impact us. It can change our very, very beings. But it is a choice to believe God's word. And I, and I started to make a reference to the word of God, but it's, it's dynamic. It impacts. And we believe 
that the God we serve is a powerful God, a triune God. We can pray and there's power in prayer. And until we will always grasp that the God is real and the word of God is living and active, we will always struggle to live in the fullness that God has for us and desires for us to have. I started today by tossing a coin and asking a question, heads or tails? Which side of the coin will you choose? What do you see? What do you choose and why? See, we make choices every day of our lives, but how do you make these decisions and on what basis and why? But most importantly, do we choose the choices that God desires for us? If today's talk had a title, it would be this, heads or tails, faith or fear, which side which side of the coin are you going to choose? Which lenses do you we look at through life? Which lens do we look at life through, should I say, more importantly? Faith or fear? Is our vision impeded by past hurts or, at the moment, present hurts and pains and rejections? What do we see? What lenses do we see through? What moves us? I already said Jesus saw the crown and was moved by compassion. Compassion compels us to do something. Well, for starters, let's see what these words mean. The dictionary definition says this about faith. Faith means to trust, to have a confident belief in the truth, to value and trustworthiness of a person, idea or thing. Belief the assessment of the mind to truth of what is declared by another, resting solely and implicitly on, on his authority and veracity, reliance or testimony. Wow, that's a powerful thing, faith. But fear means this calamity, disaster, to feel a painful apprehension of, to be, be afraid of, to consider or expect with emotion of alarm, to avoid the displeasure of, to be anxious, to suspect, to doubt. Wow, that could describe some of the emotions that we could all potentially be going through. But I want us to look at what faith is and what the Bible says it looks like and conversely what fear is and what that looks like. You know, I love this analogy of a friend shared once. So this, um, a mother said to her son, your eyes are bigger than your belly, son. And the son replied, my eyes are meant to be bigger than my belly because my ability to see, you could say, see my God-given future should be greater than my ability to digest it at this time. <laughs> your vision must be greater than your capacity to, to even comprehend and fulfil it. We need to get our feet wet, don't we? Faith, that is what faith is. Faith is believing when I don't see it. He says this in Hebrews. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain. See, God is certain. His word is certain of what we do not see. That's the truth. But what is fear? See, fear, we're in this pandemic. It's now, it's happening now. 
but it's so short-sighted. That is what fear is. Fear makes us short-sighted. It's said in Exodus 14, verse 12, our Egyptian slavery. This is the Jewish people have been brought out of slavery where they've been for hundreds of years and under immense persecution. And they've not even been out for a while. And they're already declaring our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. Because they were looking at the present situation out of context and not realising God brought them out. Not just to die in the desert, but to live a future of hope. But they couldn't see it. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. Hebrews 11 again says this, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. So that step of faith to go where God said go, actually that was his inheritance. He obeyed and went. And even when he did not know where he was going. So in life, there are times when we're not 100% sure, but we, we, we hear God, we're, we're led by God. And actually, what we desire, our inheritance, is where God is leading us. But just because we can't see it, sometimes we, we hold back and God said, Hey, I'm a loving father. I've only got the best for you. Move forward. Amen. Move forward. I'm only ever going to bring good things into your life. Read his word. He's only going to speak life and hope and peace into your life. Fear is the opposite. It makes us sceptical and doubt the truth. Genesis 3, 1 to 3 says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? Did God question? You know, fear generally doesn't come and hit you. It, it, it it's that questioning it's that niggling it's that undermining did God really say does God really love me yes God does love you he sent his son to die on a cross his word says it I love you I sent my son to die on a cross for you he he, he you, we, we, you know when we enter that relationship he 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 bridged the chasm of sin left the glory and majesty of heaven so we could have a relationship with God that's how much God loves you but he doesn't just leave us there. He wants us to engage in so much more. So much more. Hey, faith is giving when I don't have it. Wow, that's a challenging one in these circumstances. By faith, that was Abel, was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. Hebrews 11 verse 4. At the most severe trial, that overflowing joy. Are we in the most severe trial right now? I think so. But this is what the church in Corinth did. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Hey, the truth is you can't outgive God. The truth is all the things that we desire right now when we can't go to the shops and we can't buy things. Wow, did we really need to? Did we need all those things? Is it better that we give to our neighbours or help our neighbours who are maybe more vulnerable than ourselves? Allow out of the overflow of joy. See, joy is the strength. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it says jump for joy. Some of you guys need to start jumping now because you need joy. But God loves you and you need that revelation of how much he loves you. It will force you to jump and your strength is renewed. And out of that joy, 
you will give. Not ridiculous, not stupid, but give out because you're compelled to give because we serve a good God. Fear, though, makes us selfish, doesn't it? Hey, it says this in Exodus 14, verse 11. Then they turned against Moses and complained, why do you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? The truth is, Moses never made them leave. They chose to follow. But that whingy spirit, that selfish, I want, you know, it's like the monkey putting his hand in the cookie jar. I want in the whole cookie jar, but you can't get your hand out because you're not willing to let go. Sometimes you've got to let go in life. But fear makes us selfish. Oh no, hoard, I've got to hoard food. No, I've got to share food. I've got to share what I've got. God shared everything with us. That should compel us to share things with other people. Faith, wow, is persisting when I don't feel like it. And I'm sure some of us at this moment, or will do at some point on our journey, uh, we won't feel like it, but we're Faith is about persisting, whatever we're feeling, persisting through, pressing through. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Hebrews 11, verse 27. We can only accomplish the impossible when we see the invisible. Wow, that's a powerful statement. When we see it here, when we see what God is doing, we ask God to give us a fresh revelation. When we see it here, we'll actually see it come into reality. But fear doesn't want to persist. Fear wants to, you know, persistence pushes, fear withdraws. And it makes us stubborn, a bit like a stubborn donkey. It says in this Exodus 14, consider say, didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we're still in Egypt? The stubbornness of people I wish I'd not gone. Mm, I'm going to stay here. What, stay as a slave? Stay in hardship? Stay in brokenness? We've got to push through. Persist by faith. Amen. Faith is, hey, this is a good one. Faith is thanking God before I receive it. I don't know what you're going through. The truth is there are many people going through challenges at this moment in time. But as Christians, we've got to be thankful. Thankful for the small mercies. Thankful for the relationships we've got. Thankful for him. And he says this, Hebrews 11.30. By faith, by faith, as I <coughs> clear my throat, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. And it says this in Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, hey guys, I hope we're praying. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Now we've got to pray God's will. <laughs> Can't just pray selfishness. But you know me as a father, I want to bless my boys. I want to bless my wife as a loving husband. God is no different. God loves me more than I could ever love him. God's expression of fatherhood is much greater than mine to my boys. Yet I want to, you know, it says this in scripture, even a even a poor dad will want to feed his, you know, a good dad, but what, want to give his son a, an egg, not a snake. How much more in he our heavenly father wants to bless us? But fear does the opposite. Fear, it makes us ungrateful and always looking at what we don't have 
with resentment. We're always looking back, maybe possibly could have been, rather than being grateful. Oh, I could have had that. I'm ungrateful. And we miss the joys of the present moment. It says this in the message from Proverbs 21, verse 26. Sinners are always wanting what they do not have. We're always looking back what we, rather than being grateful for what we've got. Wow. Let me recap. Faith is selfless and giving. Grateful and open-handed. You see, hands that flung stars into space, surrendered to nails on a cross. That was Jesus because he loves you. Fear on the other hand is selfish. It's grabbing. It's ungrateful. It's holding desperately onto the temporal things that this life offers. And at this moment, it doesn't offer a lot. But faith is forward-looking, forward-thinking. Faith leads us, like Psalms 23, the good shepherd leads us into green pastures. It also says this in Proverbs, a people without vision perish or cast off restraint, Proverbs 29, 18. So we need faith to look forward. We need faith to say, hey God, speak to those things that are not as if they were and the things that are as if they were not. Fear is the opposite. It's always backward looking, always backward thinking. It drives us and it can, if we allow it, dictate our lives. We become subject to our circumstances and tossed about by every circumstance, the winds and, and storms of life, and it will consume us with doubt. And I can tell you right now, that's not a good place to be. Faith is negative and can be completely paralyzing. You know that. But faith, come on, faith is positive empowering and enable enabling you enabling you to be all that god called you to be you see church hebrews eleven six says this without faith it's impossible to please god but romans 12 3 says this god has given us all a measure of faith you see god has set us up for success we're always looking at God saying, well, it's impossible to please him. No, it's impossible to please him without faith. And yet Romans says, God has already given you a measure of faith. Faith is at times stepping into the unknown. It's about trusting God with a hope and an assurance that he has the best for you, for us. Plans to prosper and not to harm us. That's really tough to say in these present circumstances. But God does want to prosper you. But that might, there might be a, a significant difference between your prospering and his prospering, what that might look like. This faith walk of ours has a positive expression, you see. It's called love and obedience. Love and obedience. And you can't be obedient to what you don't know. That's why you need to get into God's word. Digest it, read it, let it, it's, let it wash over you. Let it wash over you. Amen. How can we start living this life of faith? One, by choosing to respond to, honour and believing in Jesus. Amen? Trusting in him and keeping our eyes fixed and focused on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. By being continually thankful for what he's already done for us, will do, and thinking the best of him. Two, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So read your word. Get it on your phone. Listen to it in the mornings. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Even read it out aloud to yourself. When I was going through a challenging situation. And a dark period of my life. The only thing at times I knew. I think. Well. 
all I can do, I don't have the strength to do it, but I can listen to God's word and faith will be stirred. It will strengthen me and it washes over you and it does all that. It might not be immediate, but sometimes it's like dry soil. Sometimes it's got to be watered and watered and watered and dug over. And guess what? God loves you and he just wants his life-giving energy to seep into you. Amen. Three, living this life faith, we've got to pray and talk with God. We can't talk at God, we've got to pray to God and with God. So it's a dialogue. Allow God to speak through his word, through creation, through circumstances. Allow other people at times, and we can test that, but allow other people like your pastor to speak into your life. I know any pastor, most pastors I've ever known, ever only ever want one thing, the best for you. Four. I don't know where this finds you. You could be already part of New Springs. You might be just listening online. But this living this life of faith, I would say you need to belong to a like-minded community. So join a like-minded community. That's really challenging at this moment in time. But actually some of us find it easier through technology to join a like-minded community. Be encouraged. Be challenged. Your surroundings impact you. So be surrounded with people who will speak the same kind of language that will challenge you, stretch you. Iron sharpens iron. But it'll encourage you to be come all that God has for you. Amen. Time is running out, but at the beginning of service, I tossed a coin and asked you a question. Which side of the coin will you choose? Which lenses are you going to choose to look through today, this week, this month, this year, this decade? What will you choose to believe? How will you choose to live? And what will you say? Deuteronomy 28, 13 says this, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you will pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God. Got a choice, faith or fear. Let me encourage you to choose faith. Place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not let you down. And just maybe we can change our should of, would of, could of, to be, have, did and done. Had the ball, had the faith, did the deed. We do the possible. He steps in. And when we step out to do that possible, he steps in and does the impossible. And now that's about how we respond to God's faith. Responding to God because he loves us. We respond to God because he first loved us. Amen. You know, the church service didn't start when I started to preach. And it's even more challenging now. Uh, not when we even join a conversation, but it starts actually how we live the rest of this week. How we respond to our families, how we respond to our neighbours. How we respond to the challenges of life during this time. But let me remind you, it's never too late to place your faith in him. Let me remind you, don't let your past... Yesterday's disappointments, your past choices dictate your future or rob you of the joy that you can have. Enjoy the now. Have faith that the best is yet to come. 
God has the best for you. I hope you get the point. God is faithful. And in a world of uncertainty, we can place our trust and place our faith into those hands that flung stars into space because they surrendered them to nails on a cross. And that is certain. That is certain. Choose faith. In moments, revelation will move us to respond in a totally different way. We recognise that there will be mountains to climb and there are mountains to climb and there will be even some significant mountains to climb and we all need help. There is one who wants to help you and his name is Jesus. And if you want all that I've been speaking about, the promises, the help, your heart's beating faster, there is something in you that you know you want more, then I'm going to count to five and give you an opportunity to respond in your own home. Five, the creator of the universe loves you. Four, he was willing to die for you. And even if you were the only one, he still would have done it. Three, he sees you as precious and important. Two, he wants you to be in his family today. He promised he will never leave nor forsake you. And one, you might want to respond by putting your hand on your heart. And asking Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour today. And ask him who is the living hope to come into your life. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Please forgive me. Come into my life anew. I receive you as my Lord and Saviour. Now help me to live for the rest of my life. Help me to live the life you've called me to live. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, you are now a co-heir with Christ, a child of God. You were bought and paid for. And if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do great and immeasurable things for God. Amen. I hope you found this message helpful.